This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two splendid people who I enjoy talking to about comic books and all sorts of things. Brian Murray. Hi. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. Super excited that you're both here. This is our, I think, third ever QA, Q&A episode. And as of today, when you're listening to this episode, you can also check out the second issue of the I Read Comic Book Zine, featuring some really cool art and some fantastic articles from people such as Paul, such as Brian, and who else wrote in this book? All sorts of people wrote in this thing. <laughs> Kara, myself. <laughs> Xander. Um, even Xander wrote something. That's like the coolest thing. Xander went really deep into Miss Marvel. He had a whole backlog and he wrote an entire article about his experience in reading something around two years of Miss Marvel. So if you get a chance, go to ircbpodcast.com slash zine and that'll automatically redirect you to the PDF for this upcoming, or for the zine that's out today. And if you want to buy a physical copy, you can go to store.ircbpodcast.com and you can buy a copy for five bucks and I'll mail it to you and write something fun inside of it maybe send you some extra stickers and things like that anything that I kind of just have hanging around my house I'll put in an envelope and I'll mail it to you so I don't know if that's a warning or if that's like a threat but you know you'll get something along with this zine so go go buy one it's it's really really good like I'm really proud of what we did with this issue but we're here to talk about comic books today (laughs) outside of my ramblings so how have you guys been how have comic books been let's start with you Brian uh i've been good comics have been good i haven't done a whole lot of reading in the past few weeks uh well that's not true actually i haven't read any of my new single issues but i i got a uh i recently got a kindle fire so reading comics is actually like doable for digital now Mm -hmm. so i promptly read all of uh dc's injustice gods gods among us oh okay that's Uh, a lot (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. There's did you a read lot like? Did you read all this, all the issues, or just like the first season, or however they do that? Uh, I read all five years of it. Oh, oh my god! My god. <laughs> <laughs> so much. It was a lot. Uh, it it kind of goes fast though. It's not like it's the kind of book that you can read without paying too much attention to. Gotcha. But I also managed to read Infinity Wars number one, which you might remember was my pick from the last time I was on the show. Um, so far, cautiously optimistic. Um, they're not wasting time getting into it. Like they're they're kicking off the conflict in issue one instead of having like, you know, the typical event thing of like two or three issues of like it's building, it's building, what's gonna happen? They're just like leaping directly into it. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, to the point where uh, there's a new character Requiem. Uh, in this. This event has this new character, Requiem, who was kind of a mysterious character in the uh, Infinity Wars Zero or Infinity Wars Prime or whatever the hell that intro prequel issue was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they reveal that character's identity at the end of issue one, which is cool because you'd kind of expect that, like, you know, they'd clash with Requiem for five or six issues and then. In issue seven, they'd finally reveal who it is, and then in issue eight, they'd wrap up the the event. Right, right. Um, but they're not doing that. They're just kind of getting getting right to the meat in this event. And they the the story of Loki and the librarian uh, at the edge of the universe has continued as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they recently found another Loki from another multiverse who has all of the Infinity Stones and Mjolnir. Oh. And, uh, so there's going to be books about that universe cutting in. So there's going to be uh, Iron Hammer is going to be one of them. It's basically like Iron Man but Thor. Okay. Uh, Soldier Supreme is going to be Captain America, Doctor Strange. So they're kind of like okay. these characters that are combinations of didn't marvel have like some quirky shorthand name for all these books like smash ups or something i know they had some funny name for all of these but uh, yeah i i feel like i saw something like this on twitter about about something like this is that what it was marvel so i mean i only uh half half paid attention i think they're referring to these as quote-unquote infinity warps yes okay that's that sounds right um but some of these I'm really interested to see, like uh, Arachnite. 
I don't know what that is. It's obviously Spider Man and some Spider Man and Moon Knight. Oh, okay. That uh. sounds awesome. So yeah, I mean they're doing a lot of cool multiverse stuff, which I've historically always been a sucker for. Right, right. And that's that's kind of funny because I feel like <laughs> the the other big event that they had, Secret Wars, was like the end of all the multiverses and here we are like i I see this you know you see this in the x-men books if you're reading all of them like they constantly are talking about other dimensions and universes and i'm like didn't we just erase all this stuff isn't that what the point of that was to get rid of everything but (laughs) i I wish i could quit you (laughs) yeah exactly obviously it's working like if you know brian i'm pretty sure you're not the only person really interested in this stuff so that's that's really cool to hear uh nick what about you how have you been how have uh comic books been and all that stuff well, I I like Brian also um haven't been reading a whole lot recently. Uh but that's because a lot of my free time um has been spent fine-tuning cover letters and redoing my resume and for those people who live outside the United States, you probably call that a CV and for those people right. who live outside the United States, you're also saying, "I know what a fucking resume is, Nick. Jesus." Um you don't need to translate it. Um yeah. <laughs> because my work in an effort to, um, I guess, stay afloat in the digital age of news, uh, outsourced, downsized, and laid off my department. So if you have an opening at your work for someone who wants to talk about comics, and I mean, I don't know what the other requirements will be, um, but you can just <laughs> sort of slide those in and I mean, maybe I'll meet them, maybe I won't, but you know, send those, send those to Mike and we'll, we'll look through them. So yeah, always. I mean, yeah. Um, but beyond that, I did do some reading. Um, I read James Bond black box, which is the fourth arc of the dynamite run after, uh, Warren Ellis's two arcs and then Andy Diggle's one arc hammerhead. Mm -hmm. And this is Ben Percy, who is perhaps best known right now for, he did, um, he did Green Arrow coming out of Rebirth, and he also did Teen Titans uh, from mm-hmm. Rebirth onwards. And he is now on Nightwing now that he finished his Green Arrow run. Uh, and I've, I really enjoyed that Green Arrow run, so that's part of the reason I, I picked this up. And then you have Rafa Lebosco on art. Uh, if you probably haven't heard of him, that's because he's largely known for doing indie work in the Irish comic scene, apparently. Uh, okay. And this is his first big you know big league debut i guess you could say and he followed that up with um hack slash versus vampirella for dynamite uh the same year and percy's run is definitely more different than warren ellis's and and even diggles it's much more kinetic it's much more um very on the run set pieces action set pieces definitely not as heady or well-researched into, I guess, current geopolitical issues as, say, Warren Ellis's run was. Yeah. This is... And that makes it much more easier to follow. Uh, it also is much easier to read issue to issue because Percy tends to like to retread what the whole core argument is of the, the whole plot. So if, you, if you're reading it in trade or reading issues back-to-back, you will find that slightly annoying. But the premise is very, very simple. Um, there's a massive online security breach. It targets government and military officials of the UK. And so they sort of hone in on where this is supposed to be coming from. And it's this tech magnate in Japan who has Yakuza ties. And, of course, they send in James Bond to recover this black box. Uh, but surprise, surprise, of course, it's not just British you know, military officials and, and secrets that are being held. It's the entire world. And so you have all of these world agents can, you know, converging on the same place at once uh, with the idea that not only are they going to keep their own secrets uh, hidden, but they're actually going to try to acquire the secrets of the rest of the world. So it kind of turns into a bit of a, a moral conundrum and, and issues about you know, digital footprints and whatnot, because Bond has directives to actually recover everybody else's dirt on top of uh keeping great britain's secret so like i said it's it's not that complicated but it uh percy does a good job of sort of dropping us into a whole bunch of traditional japanese settings we we go to a sumo match where we have a fight on a bullet train we even end up in the fukushima reactor as well as the suicide forest so it's uh 
you're getting all sorts of views of Japan here. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's sometimes goofy, but ultimately it's a much more accessible bond that also manages to sidestep a lot of the um, problematic tropes that turn bond into something of an icky uh, individual on occasion, I guess is oh, how sure. you could put it. Um, Gotta say, it does sound like somebody Googled places in Japan. And yeah, then, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> tried to include as many of them as possible. Exactly, really exactly. That's like totally Bond, though. Like, that's that's very much like, all right, let's go to all of these, like, things. When you think of Japan, let's go to these things that kind of represent modern Japan, or at least whatever the time is, um, in some fashion, from, like, an outsider's perspective. They're going to know what these things are without having to go too deep into explaining them to, to people. To say, oh, you know, you don't, you don't have to get the whole history of Japan. Instead, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, sumo, a bullet train, that's synonymous with Japan, you know. Uh, going to a sumo match, that's synonymous with Japan. Um, maybe the others, I don't know. Those are, those, they're kind of touchy. But even still, I think that I think that totally works for a Bond story. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they have a really creepy game of cat and mouse that takes place in the suicide forest. So it's a, it's, I mean, it's a scary place for a, you know, sort of scary scenario. So it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh. Uh, yeah, so there, there's that. Um, Labasco's work reminds me a lot of Leandro Fernandez on The Old Guard or Eduardo Riso on Batman Noir uh, mm-hmm. because it's really, really, really heavy inks against which unusually bright colors pop. So I'd say it's even more f- uh, Leandro Fernandez in that regard. I guess it makes sense that I heard that some of his professional work before this was inking because I honestly think he's actually a better inker than he is a penciler which is kind of weird okay. but i think it's true and i mean other than that like it's 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 a traditional bond villain i mean when your bond villain runs his his operation out of a hidden yakuza casino and he has a giant huge aquarium that uh, obviously has sharks of course sharks of right course, of, of course. course sharks and he ha- uh, loses his eyesight so he gets like a sort of cyclops looking visor that hooks him into augmented reality uh, i mean cool. <laughs> this is cool. a very on brand yeah right it is it is <laughs> and it's so different from from like i said from even ellison diggle so it's interesting to see the freedom that dynamite is is affording uh percy even though what is interesting is like the characters like uh money penny and uh, 007's boss, who I can't remember what his official... I think it's just M, right? Yeah. Uh, like, they're all following the aesthetic guidelines of uh, uh, Ellis's original run. So I read right. that. And right. then the other thing I want to just briefly cover is briefly. I did read... Yeah, <laughs> Alien, Dust to Dust, number two. We have Gabriel Hardman, writing and penciling, Rain Barreto on colors. It's the second issue of an Aliens mini, so that you know what that means. It's time for the alien to disappear for a little bit. Let the humans prove that they can pretty much ruin themselves on their own. Thank you very much. We don't need extraterrestrials. We can do just fine. <laughs> and uh, we got this. And Hardman sort of demonstrates in a way that his comics sort of uh, are best when they're doused in darkness and shadow and not really like gabriel hardman drawing two o'clock in the afternoon on a sunny day it's just weird oh, totally it's weird and it's unsettling in its own way that i don't think was intended beyond that hardman actually plays a little bit with some canon here we get some canon elements of alien to the third power if you want to call it that nick it's alien three no it's not look it up it's alien to the third power they made that stupid design choice i'm going to make them live with it okay <laughs> constantly be cursed by the superscript for the rest of their <laughs> lives you're you, look you gotta and fucking right own that superscript so. okay yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah that's that's what i read um yeah what about you mike uh, well, I've I read a bunch. Uh, I've been trying to catch up on some digital floppies that I've been ignoring. So um, uh, I, I read a bunch of those in the backlog as well as some manga. But the things I want to talk about, I read The Wildstorm, Michael Cray, number 10. Uh, this is by Brian Hill and Stephen Harris. And I didn't list anybody else because that's all that DC has listed on their website. I think Dexter Vines is on art or on inks because Dexter Vines is the probably one of the best inkers in the business as far as I care. Um this book is so fucking cool. I, I just want to say this. If you're not reading The Wild Storm or you're not reading The Wild Storm, Michael Cray, and you're trying to make a decision on what you should read, I'm going to tell you to go read both. But if you have to make a choice about only one, I would say read The Wild Storm, Michael Cray, and just kind of roll with the premise to say Michael Cray has been 
told that he needs to go kill all of these superhumans that exist in the world, such as Green Arrow, such as The Flash, such as John Constantine, such as Wonder Woman. He's out hunting these characters um, because this has to somehow tie back to the DC Universe. And so with Warren Ellis' base, baseline story, Brian Hill has been telling this really cool story about Michael Cray hunting down all of these superheroes. And I know I've talked about it on the show before, but I, I honestly, with issue number 10, it was just another like proof or just further proof that this book is really, really good. I think it's better than The Wildstorm. And I love Warren Ellis to death, but I honestly believe that Michael, or excuse me, I honestly believe that The Wildstorm Michael Cray is the best Wildstorm book that's happening right now. I know that I think there's one more coming pretty soon. I don't know. I don't know what the schedule is, but I, Brian Hill's writing is so fucking good. He gets so many just feelings right about like on uh, the inability to control oneself when you have a higher power that's like in like basically managing you and telling you, you have a job to do but you know that you need to like fulfill a personal need um there's like this huge struggle in michael cray's life right now and i don't want to go into it because it spoils too much of the book but Honestly, I don't know how this is book. This book is going to end. I don't know how it's going to top itself, given what happened in issue ten. But this is seriously such a cool, like, action-packed, fuck you superhero story that I I cannot find another book that's like it that or that is as good that is like this. Because there's a lot of those like fuck you superhero books out there, um, but this one is just super good. I I really really love it. Um. Nick, you've been reading some of the Wildstorm stuff. Have you read much of the Michael Cray book? Um, I haven't. I haven't read any of it yet. Um, okay, okay. I plan to at some point, but uh, all I know is Jordan and I came across a cover of that a few weeks ago, and we couldn't tell if it was Big Barda or Wonder Woman because the the armor looked like Big Barda's, but she had the lasso, so we were very confused. Maybe. Yeah, it is. It is Wonder Woman. It is Diana okay. Pierce. Like that's the character that's in the story. But she's definitely Wonder Woman because she's got the fucking sword and shield, in the coolest way. Um, something happens in issue ten, and it's just it's so cool. I, I can't get over how cool this book is. <laughs> um, anyways, I've also been reading. So I've I think I may have maybe have talked about it on the Goodreads group. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but I have been reading Transformers more than meets the eye. Um, and if you don't know what Transformers More Than Meets the Eye is, it is pretty much lost in space, but with robots. And it's Transformers, so you're like, oh, but Mike, they're just going to hang out and you know do dumb Transformers things. And that's what I thought this book was going to be. Because uh, there are some people that I work with that really recommended it, and I was like, okay, I'll try the first volume. And now I'm five volumes deep. And the next volume in the series is a two-volume arc of like a combined series between... Robots in Disguise and More Than Meets the Eye, the two Transformers books that are going on. And they do this crossover event called Dark Cybertron. And so I read volume two of that. And really, the thing that drew me to More Than Meets the Eye is it's kind of like a dumb like sitcom in space where there's kind of bad guys every arc. But on the whole, it's just all these robots that you get to know. And you find out some of their relationships and, like, lots of flashbacks to the past of, you know, two or three million years ago. Because these robots have been living for forever. And finding out, like, their interpersonal relationships and, like, seeing them grow and develop and having bad things happen and good things happen. It's been really, really rewarding. And they're just robot people. And they never, ever, ever transform into their, quote-unquote, alt modes. Like, they never turn into cars or flying spaceships or, in the case of one character, a memory card you know they never do that in the series which is really funny because it's a fucking transformers book um but yeah so i'm like super into this and this volume was really good dark cybertron like is the end of this two arc crossover event um that turned (laughs) orion or orion pax aka optimus prime back into optimus prime because he took a leave of absence because I don't know, he's Jesus or something, and he hates himself. And it also, there's a character in the series called Rodimus, a.k.a. Hot Rod. It's a character, I guess, from old Transformers stories. Um, oh, he's God. a dummy, and he continues <laughs> to be a dummy. And he's also the leader of this, this group of Transformers who exist in the More Than Meets the Eye series. They're on this ship called The Lost Light. Um, there's, If you look at your comic book shop, you're going to see a book called Lost Light coming out. That is the sequel series to this more than meets the eye thing and the thing the big twist at the end of this whole dark cybertron thing is that megatron who apparently was dead gets brought back to life and he is now a good guy and he wants to fight on the side of the autobots 
instead of the Decepticons. And so that's a whole big thing that's not going to affect more than meets the eye because they are essentially leaving Cybertron after this story ended. But it will affect the other book, Robots in Disguise, if you care about like Bumblebee and I don't know, the other one, Starscream, I think. I don't know. I don't care about any of them. I care about all these other weird <laughs> robots. Um, so this book is really good. I don't. I don't know how to properly describe it. Um, it's. It is a lot about just gay robots. That's how people have described it to me, um, because all of the robots are like him characters, but some of them are kind of in love with each other, and that's like a big draw for a lot of the folks that have pitched this book to me. So I'm really enjoying it, and I was really glad to get through this volume because the first volume of Dark Cybertron like definitely took a long time to get through, and it was hard to read. Um, the second volume I read in one sitting. I don't know where the writing changed, but yeah, a lot of people on this book. James Roberts, John Barber, the two authors, and then the thing that's interesting is they had Atilio Rojo, James James Reyes, uh, Livio Romandelli, Andrew Griffith, Phil Jimenez, and Brandon Cahill all on artists' work for this book. Because as the story's being told, they change artists based on the different storylines going on, which is really awesome to keep track of like who's actually talking because they're fucking robots and you don't have like the ability to figure out where their face is um so when they change art styles you kind of go okay now they're talking about rodimus and orion pax in this other place and oh no we're back to bumblebee and starscream arguing and oh no this is actually the giant titans fighting these miniature micro robots um and so the art changes between all of those and makes it a little bit easier to track uh yeah, guys, I'm into Transformers now. So, yeah. so basically, it's 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 personal growth and character development, uh, and there's no actual transforming. There's some trans. No, there's no transforming. Yeah, I'll just I don't, be honest. No. Okay, no, I'm I'm just just let me know when the follow up to More Than Meets the Eye, um, Transformers, uh, what you see is what you get shows up because that's <laughs> Transformers Wissywig is when I will actually be interested. That's uh, I, I'll let you know. I'll Thank let you, you know. please. <laughs> well, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about what books we're up excited for this upcoming week. Comic books are being released on August 15, 2018. Uh, what are you excited for this week? Let's start with you, Nick. For me, it's going to be Gideon Falls number six. I don't want to say too much about the series because obviously it is a series that is very contingent upon twists and turns and shocking revelations. But I will say that I just recently read four and five. And if you were someone who was kind of fleetingly interested in this book because you thought it had Twin Peaks vibes, uh, if you're already reading it, you're going to love it more. If you haven't started, you need to because the Twin Peaks uh, similarities are only getting stronger. On the other side of things, if you're someone who doesn't really like being scared, this is probably your last chance to hop off before this train leaves the station because, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, <laughs> it continues to get real scary. Um, six will be the end of the first arc, and I don't want to take a chance that everybody isn't caught up, so I won't say much about four and five but uh, beyond what I have. But I will say this. Sorrentino, Andrea Sorrentino, the artist, has really shown with this book that, one, his panel work is even more expansive and expressive and unconventional uh, than I thought it was. And some of that is probably, obviously, Jeff Lemire slash some collaboration between Lemire and Sorrentino. But the undeniable truth is that Sorrentino has the ability to execute this. And I think that's really something worth celebrating. His panel work in this book is so all over the place. And beyond that, um, his artwork and his art style in this book is actually, I find it to be a pretty big departure, even in some ways from his Green Arrow run and even his Old Man Logan run. And some of that might be having Dave Stewart on colors instead of um, like Marcelo Mayolo, who normally colors uh, his stuff for DC. But uh, I mean, in, in issue five, there was a hypnosis um, segment or little plot going on. And I thought they hired a completely different artist. And I had to go back to the front of the book to go look up the credits and see who Jeff Lemire had, you know, uh, strong armed into working on this book. And <laughs> lo and behold, it was still Andrea Sorrentino. I, I couldn't believe it. So uh, my hat is always off to that guy. So talented, so talented. Can't wait to see the end of this arc. 
Uh, can't wait for those people who are trade waiting this book or looking for a, you know slightly more all, all you know affordable package to get these titles in. Uh, I can't me. wait for those people to pick it up. Yeah, and and enjoy yeah. it too. So, yeah, that's cool. what I'm pumped for. Brian, what about you? Uh, for this week, I'm looking forward to Crowded Number One. That's a new outing from friend of the show Christopher Sabella and Rose Stein. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is like the second Sabella book in as many months that I've chosen, but that's okay. That's okay. Guy, guy's good. Guy can write, uh, and it's actually only because it's Sabella writing that I'm willing to try this out. Uh, Crowded takes place in a world where, like the the gig economy, so you know the Uber and uh, all that kind Fiber. of stuff. It's all it's all taken over every part of life, and so. Uh, this book involves an assassination, crowdsourcing or uh, crowd run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh God! Venture uh, called. Damn Reaper. it! I told you not to kill him between peak hours. We can't afford this. <laughs> <laughs> the company is called Reaper. That's with a Reaper with no e at the end. So yeah. just Reap R. So it's edgy. Good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you know how all these things drop oh a, yeah uh, remove all the e. vowels that's yeah. how you name a company yeah hey i mean twitter didn't have any vowels in it when they first came up with the idea and they're like well people probably don't know what the fuck that logo means so we should probably add some letters <laughs> anyways, stop you're calling it twatter <laughs> yeah. uh anyways this story revolves around a character who wakes up one morning to find out that a one million dollar bounty essentially has been placed on her mm-hmm and so she hires a bodyguard from a different app called Defender that is, again, <laughs> Defender with no E. Of course, of course. It has to be, yeah. I love it. Um, this premise is goofy as all hell, mm-hmm. and I would assume it would be very stupid, but I know that Sabella is a great writer, and the art uh, looks really interesting. It's... um. I'd call it, it's charming. You know, it's got this uh, vaguely cartoonish look to it. You know, it's, 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 I'm struggling for how to describe it because I'm not good at describing art. I, I mean, I think cartoony is a good example or a good, like, descriptor of it. Like, everything is kind of uh, exaggerated for these characters. And I don't think that's bad, it, but it does look cartoony Certainly in a not. way. No, I, I already like the art, but it's, uh, it's going to be a trip. It, could be bad um like i said i would assume it was going to be if it didn't mm-hmm. have the pedigree that it has but definitely gonna give it a shot come wednesday or you know three weeks from wednesday when i finally pick up my comic books <laughs> right that's on me what about you mike for me this week i'm excited about the weatherman number three this is jody lee hupp and nathan fox this book continues to be so fast-paced, it's almost hard to stop reading it. It's like it, it's, You almost have to go back and read it again because so much happens in such a quick succession uh, in this series, it's, and it's very, very good. For those of you who don't know what The Weatherman is, uh, the story for number one is it opens on a character who is The Weatherman for Mars, and he's talking to you. He basically is this kind of shithead dude who does the weather on a news station. Some huge tragedy happened that killed everyone on Earth. And we reveal in issue number one, spoilers, that it was the weatherman. But he has no recollection of doing this. In fact, he has no recollection of anything before six or six or seven years ago. so Or maybe it's shorter than that, maybe a few years ago. Nonetheless, um, he, the story is this very fast-paced, whodunit kind of... There's a lot of like pieces that are factoring into it about... Did the weatherman do this? Was he brainwashed? Did he work for a military institution? Meanwhile, other military institutions and all these other things are trying to capture him and capture other people. There's a lot of players in the game, and a lot of things happen. And really, like I strapped myself in after issue one because the reveal of not just what I said, but everything else that's going around, going on around the story, um, is so cool that I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can get out of this chair. I really need to see how this keeps going. And it's like Nathan Fox's art in this book is 
so insane and it's kinetic and and very high action and it feels like every panel has a lot of energy in it um and i'm loving it and it's like not even just the interiors but the covers by themselves are enough for me to like sit and stare and feel like i'm gone on some sort of mushroom or acid trip like they're always there are these bright vibrant colors i highly suggest you go look up the cover to weatherman number one or weatherman number two or three they're just these bright neon color things that just hit you and like send a wave of something over your mind that you're not sure what happened uh, it's, it's really really good and um, so i oh go ahead Brian. just as as a warning there is a graphic depiction of a dog's head blowing up at the end of the first issue so yes Yes. Be on guard for that. It caught me by yeah. surprise. It really turned my stomach. So, same here. I don't know. Yeah, and it's, I don't want people to be surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- okay, that's probably something. Yeah, uh, but it, nonetheless, th- I'm I'm really enjoying this book at least in the first two issues. So I'm excited to see where number three goes. Um, if anything, I'll see it through the arc, regardless of how I feel about the next few issues, because I'm really digging the amount of world building that they're doing. Um, as well, like it seems like Jody Leup and Nathan Fox are putting a lot of time and effort into this series, not just creating it, but trying to build more around it. Like they have Spotify playlists and all this extra fun stuff in the back of each of the issues. So, yeah, if you haven't checked this out, I highly recommend it. I think it's I think it's a pretty cool book. Our show this week is a Q&A episode. Q&A episode number three. And just another reminder, we do have a zine that came out today as well. It is the second zine for I Read Comic Books. If you haven't read the first one, go check it out at ircbpodcast.com slash zines, plural. But if you want to get this month's, I should say this quarter's issue of I Read Comic Books zine, go to ircbpodcast.com slash zine, singular, and you'll get an actual copy of this, a digital copy of this with some really cool stuff in it, questions and fun little chibi stats and and all sorts of fun things. But we have a handful of questions to get through today. We're super excited that we got a bunch of questions. We have gotten a few questions in every single one. As always, you can send any question that you like. doesn't have to be comic book related to the IRCB podcast using the hashtag IRCBQA, or you can email them directly to IRCB at DestroyTheCybe.org. So let's just dive into one of the big ones that we've got here. This is from Simon, Dom with a little D on Twitter. He asks us, do you think the age of the superstar writer artist has come to an end, or do you think that we are on the cusp of comic creators penetrating in penetrating into the public consciousness that word looked weird when i read it uh nick brian what do you guys think about this question it's kind of a big question to unpack so let's dive into it i I guess i mean first off great question really great question i think on some levels for me it sort of transforms into another question which is sort of one that we've tackled before and i don't know if we've ever had a satisfactory answer before before but and that then that really is um with all of this uh money and and uh success that marvel and and i guess dc to some extent has had with these movies and this um sort of worldwide recognition and, and understanding of what makes up a lot of these universes has that translated into people picking up comics which in turn sort of leads into your question of um, have these people having seen these films and whatnot actually bothered to go pick up the books and therefore learn who some of these authors and, and artists are and we've sort of struggled with that before. I think my offhand answer was I, I don't think so but um, I mean when I look at the sales of comic books it certainly doesn't feel like people are really jumping on board but then that just falls into the whole issue of well maybe new readers are reading digital and if they're reading digital then we don't have the numbers on that and so um yeah anyway great complicated question and i've already fallen down the rabbit hole on it so i guess that only (laughs) (laughs) further justifies how good it is yeah i think that uh i think the idea of the superstar writer slash artist is in a lot of ways done like i don't think that a creator nowadays is going to get the kind of fame and status that your Stanley or your Jack Kirby got back in the day. Uh, That does not mean that the art being created now is not as good or better as what they were putting out. But I think that in the age of the internet, 
it is a lot more possible for people to become I guess you could call it small scale famous as opposed to uh, you know what Simon phrased as a superstar um, so I think that we're going to see a lot more comic creators becoming famous in the realm of people who read comics um, but I don't I do think that the age of a writer or an artist for a comic book being a household name I think that's over Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, hmm. I, I think that I, I'm I'm trying to figure out where the where the line is between like what is considered like a superstar and what's considered successful. And you know, like I think that there are a lot of comic creators that are like very successful, but are they superstars to the level of Rob Lee Rob Liefeld being in a Levi's commercial? I don't think so. Right. Uh, I do think on the flip side that we are seeing a push for for the mainstream world or I, I, and I don't mean to like say that there's this big fucking line between mainstream world and comics because I it isn't because it's all blended together in to a certain extent but one thing that I've noticed when I talk to folks and they find out that I read comic books because I always find a way to bring it up no matter what conversation I'm having with somebody I always find a way to say oh yeah well I work for a comic book website and I also read a shitload of comic books and oh I also have a podcast but have because, you heard my podcast uh, please leave and, then, yeah, yeah, and yeah, also yeah, please I, don't leave don't leave please yeah, come yeah, on yeah. and I mean and I, I always you know play it down it's like oh no no you're, I'm, you know I have this thing it's, it's just something that I do um, because we all like to shit on ourselves about that kind of stuff but what the point I'm actually trying to get to <laughs> is sure. that when folks find out that I do read comic books, they they do tell me, oh, well, you know, I read a comic book one time, or, or I did go read this thing. Have you heard of this Batman book that was done by Scott Snyder? And to Have them, you heard I'm of this not, Batman? No, no, no. But, like, <laughs> hear me out. I, think I, I know what you're saying. I just couldn't resist the perspective. Joke. Yeah, is is really interesting because I think that ninety five percent of the time when someone says that to you, it's because they're assuming that they're talking to somebody that's not really into comics or is has ever even read a comic book. So they could say, "Oh man, this Batman book is really good. You probably haven't heard about it." To the three of us, Scott Snyder's Batman is like fucking whatever, man. That's AAA title bullshit. But you know, from the perspective of someone that doesn't read comic books, they just found out about this thing, and so they're really excited to talk to you about it. I think that it's slowly. Bringing Breaking in, but I don't think Scott Snyder as a person is going to become a superstar. I think that you know it helps that when you know creators like Scott Snyder or Tim Tom King or um, who's Grant Morrison end up on you know the late night show with Seth Meyers because I think that's great like publicity for comics in general. That's that's them proving that not only are superhero books viable for your everyday reader like tom king showed up on seth meyers and he talked about sheriff of babylon and he also talked about mr miracle and mm -hmm. what i think is really interesting is that maybe somebody who has a buddy that was in iraq might be interested in sheriff of babylon now they probably would have never ever heard of it or never seen it maybe they saw it at barnes and noble one time they're like oh that looks cool and you walk by but then you actually hear about what that book is you go maybe i'll try a comic book and i think that at the end of the day we don't necessarily, like, we as folks that are really involved in comics, the goal isn't to convert somebody over into, you know, becoming a huge comic book reader like we are that has a pull list. That's never going to happen. I think what's important is to say, like, do people recognize comic books enough to say, you know what, I'm going to read a novel this week, or instead I'm going to read this comic book this week. To, to see them at, like, a parallel line, and whether that's a Batman book or if it's, you know, Box Brown's Life of Andre, you know, like, it doesn't matter what they're reading so long as they're reading comic books, and they see them as a medium that is equal to like, that of prose or of television or of movies. And I realize I've gotten way far off of the actual question, <laughs> but I think what I'm getting at is it's not so much about... it. It's unfortunately, it's not so much about the creators who deserve the recognition, but I think the first step is to just making sure that people see comic books as a medium that is worth reading and spending time on. Because I think if you told your average everyday person that, hey, I'm, you know, I spend 20 bucks a week or, you know, 100 bucks a month or whatever it is on comic books, they'd go, fucking comic books? We're still right. in that era of people not seeing them as like a valuable medium, a valuable medium in general, even if you're talking about graphic novels or something like that. Um, yeah, so I hope that kind of gets to the point. I, I realize I haven't given you guys a chance to talk because I don't shut the fuck up. So please <laughs> respond. Please clap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in a lot of ways, like 
comic book people entering into some level of like superstardom or, or you know, into some sort of level of public visibility, I, I think in a lot of ways is 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 difficult in general for just authors on the whole. I mean, we can talk about George R. R. Martin, we can talk about J.K. Rowling, or um, you know, Neil Gaiman, Stephen King, but but those are exceptions to the rule, right? I mean. Not we don't find authors on talk shows all the time. They're not really entering into that you know uh, sphere of um, uh, I guess pop culture that is highly publicly visible. So I, I think comic book people are no different in that regard. That being said, and I think this is probably a pretty good example. Like Mark Miller, like if anyone deserved to be right in the spotlight right now it would be mark miller especially after <laughs> he mean, got that that deal and he's yeah. now with amazon and he's got the magic order going on and all of that like if there was anybody who would have reached that point by now i feel like it would be him and well, yeah he feels like the fucking stan lee of our generation in a lot of weird ways and i think that's what he's going for but yeah i mean i don't mean to interrupt too much i just think that that's no that's, that's really fine. funny that you say that I think if anyone would have been able to reach that point, and let's be clear, even though I think anyone who listens to the show knows this very well, this is not me singing the the praises of his work from the rooftops. I'm merely saying he knows how to get stuff sold to companies to, you know, sell the rights to things. He knows how to get things optioned, and more importantly, he knows how to turn money around off of them. Right. So if anyone would have acquired this by now, I think it would be him, and I don't really think he has so i think he's tried a lot i think that there's you know there's a handful of people that we could probably talk to closer than anyone else i mean it's him and robert kirkman at this point i think oh that's i think that's a good one you know what i would argue he's actually been more visible because he's you know he's shown up on 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 those shows a lot too yeah well and it it, it helps that the walking dead is so fucking massively successful um right i mean good on robert kirkman you know we may say what you will about the walking dead like the guy took a comic book idea and made it work really, really well, and we have to hold, we have to like give him credit for that. Like he turned it around. I don't think he's been a dick about it, as far as I know. I think he's been very like humbled about how successful his stuff is. It doesn't help him from making a fuckload of money off of you know merchandising and Telltale games and you know action figures and stuff. You can't go to a convention without finding Walking Dead merchandise. So like. I think yeah, he might be the closest to superstardom, but I think you know Simon's question of do we think that this age is coming to an end? I think Brian actually answered that question before by saying, we probably won't see any superstars, but we'll see a lot of people that are semi-popular among niche groups, right? Like fantasy writers or you know young adult writers or superhero writers and stuff. Like Brian Michael Bendis, I think, is very successful, and he's synonymous with like superhero comics, and that's probably as much as he wants. I don't think Brian Michael Bendis wants to be on the red carpet and on interview shows and all that stuff. I think he just wants to write really cool comics. And he has reached that level that I would consider superstardom within the niche market or niche market. Someone was telling me about that niche market. I need to say that correctly. Both, uh, both pronunciations are acceptable. Thank you. Yeah. Tell that guy to fuck off. Yeah, that was Kelly. So Nick, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, in that case, tell Kelly to, no, (laughs) tell Kelly. I said, hi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, I think this is a great. I think there's still a lot to unpack here. I we've I, we did an episode about this, I think, and there's still more to be said about it. And I think it's still changing um, as comic books grow more and more. And despite the decline that we probably saw this year, um, I think we saw in print. You know, it was like two or three percent. I guarantee. I, I'm not. Even, I'm not certain. I can't speak to it. I don't know. I'm just saying. I feel like digital is is growing. Um, and is making up that print loss. But nonetheless, comic books are growing in general because people that are buying digital are still definitely buying print. I'm one of those people that's still buying tons of graphic novels and stuff, and I'm also buying digital. So I think like the mar- as the market grows, we'll see how it evolves, but I don't know. We'll have to come back to this like year after year. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just quickly in- insert this here. I don't know if Simon was sort of getting at like, are we out of that era where Grant Morrison and Jim Lee are these huge lauded individuals within the industry and mm-hmm. no one else comes close and they're the, the best at their job and no one is even comparable or whatever. Um, I feel like we're past that. I feel like 
there isn't someone who like rolls into the room and they're like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Look at me. I'm the best at what I do and, and whatnot. I feel like sure. that sort of ego is gone now just because there are so many different artists doing so many different things now. It's like, you know, Jim Lee style doesn't have that. Uh, again, speaking for myself, Jim Lee style doesn't have that sort of hook or or appeal that I think it used to. Yeah, there, sure there, some I don't Jim think Lee people are going to be mad. <laughs> well, I don't think that there's like a there is a singular person or handful of people like that anymore. Like we can yeah, call out Scott yeah. Snyder, we can call out Tom King, we can call out you know um, Kieran Gillen, you, you know Warren Ellis, folks like that. But I don't think any of them want to be in the spotlight. I think they just want to make their shit. The end. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. Final thoughts on that, Brian? I realize like we've been just yelling. No, no. If I if I had anything that i thought would contribute i would have jumped in with it okay okay um so we got That's another question here for, brian yeah we've got a couple other questions here so this is sure. kind of a meta question i want to go into that i'm i'm really excited to hear the answers for it i wish i could ask everyone on the show what do you like the most about podcasting oh boy i and i i i'm not gonna talk i want to hear what you guys think <laughs> i will eventually talk let's let's be sure. honest here the illusion that someone is paying attention i don't know oh okay okay i don't know if it's the illusion i think it's the fact that someone someone has to (laughs) (laughs) or someone is someone is considering the idea that they might listen to me sure that's that's fair yeah Um, i went out with like a the flippant joke answer first but my my real answer (laughs) is it's the I, i i love the idea that somebody is interested in what i have to say you know every time that i get a new follower on twitter I always see that, like, they're also following IRCB podcast. So I'm like, oh, cool. So this person, like, heard what I said, and it resonated enough with them that they're like, cool, I want to see what else he has to say. And so it's, I I love that idea of being able to kind of reach out into the world and metaphorically touch someone. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Metaphorically, yeah. 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 <laughs> what about you, Nick? Uh, I mean, I, I think on some level, I just find it um, so f- funny that like, you know, you and I had had these sorts of discussions for so long there. And then we were like, you know what, let's just let's just see if someone else wants to actually hear this discussion. And it's just been interesting to find that there's an audience for that. And like like Brian said, I just love you know getting you know getting feedback and hearing what people think about things or hearing what episodes really clicked with people or finding out that someone really enjoyed a book that I liked or finding people that seem to share similar tastes in reading and so you can recommend things back and forth and um yeah there's just something uh you know really I guess enriching about that especially for me so um yeah the feedback is definitely great anytime that i get any like a mention on twitter or if somebody like sends an email talking about like i really enjoyed the show this week that is like a warm feeling inside that lasts all day yeah totally i've loved podcasting since podcasting was kind of a thing it's something that i've always i've been trying to do on and off for a really long time and honestly i've I've said this a million times on the show on like annuals and stuff this is the longest running thing i think i've ever done right like consistently like you have projects you have things that you have in your life that you oh that's i've had that for a long time and or I, i own this thing or i've done this thing like played soccer or whatever your interests are um you know outside of actually physically buying comic books like this is the longest creative thing that i've done and it feels like it feels weird to call it a creative thing, but there's like a lot of planning and, and time and effort that you have to put into it. Not just for me, but I know for you guys as well. Like everyone that's on the show puts in so much work, um, and you know I feel like I ask the world of everybody all the time, which is why I'm always apologizing and and all this stuff to everybody. But the the fact that we sit down and I'm having conversations with people whose opinions I very very much enjoy and I love talking to about about comics is like the most rewarding thing. Every week we end the show. I'll walk away and I'll go, damn, that was a good conversation. And I'm really happy to have it because I feel like, you know, as as people that are reading comic books, like we we, we are on the peripherals of the actual comic book industry. Um, I think that it, well, it, what we're doing is, 
I, I don't want to say it's less important, but it's not the actual comic book creation itself. But people do find a lot of value in it because commentary on these types of things is is valuable to others. And so to be involved in that and to get all that feedback from folks is great. But I also the act of this, like Nick said, was kind of like we have these conversations all the time. Maybe we should record them, which is kind of like a, a selfish thing. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it's worked out because people are involved. People people actually want to wanted to be on this show. When I asked them, hey. Would you be interested in being a host? That's the most nerve-wracking question I can ask anybody. Um, you know, when we were putting together the crew that was more than just me and Nick, and then eventually me and Paul and Nick, and I should say Xander was there from the beginning because he's a fucking godsend human being. Um, you know, like, it's, it's, it's massively... It makes me feel great that there are people that actually want to have conversations about comics every week with us. And I, I always want, this is why I love having guests on, because it feels super rewarding to know that they were willing to come on the show. Like, that is, it's it's super rewarding. I think that's the answer. <laughs> that's what I like the most about podcasting, is like, it's, um, we're doing something every week, and it, it feels like it has meaning. It's not just us talking into microphones like idiots. We're putting together something that's actually, like, valuable. Um, not like to us and then it also happens to be valuable to other people yeah that's my my big long my big long thought about it i don't know any any other thoughts on that <laughs> before we, we could move on to another question no i think i think you summed it up really well i i think on a basic level like so much of it for me is that as you were saying we come away from these dialogues and discussions and conversations and we we have so much fun and we, we come away learning about new books or having a new appreciation for something. And it's just, uh, sometimes I sort of sit there and I wonder like, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who maybe buy all their books digitally or they just don't live near a shop or something like that. And I'm, I'm sure those people want to interact and engage and, and pick other people's minds and, and have these discussions with people. And so um, I'm, I'm just really glad that, you know, we're putting something out there that people enjoy and, you know, maybe certain people that are finding themselves in these situations where they really want to interact and engage. But like I said, either they don't live near a shop or maybe they don't like that shop. You know, it's great that we can um, put something out there um, amongst other shows that are obviously, you know, doing, you know, similar things too. Just think of us as like the online version of those enthusiastic nerds of the comic shop. <laughs> yeah, and we're not going to be shitheads to you about the books that you like. Yeah, for the we're most not part. like crappy gatekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to come up every three minutes and ask if you're doing okay. Um, yeah. Which, again, just to say, sometimes people need that, so that's fine. I don't want to mm-hmm. knock customer service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here at IRCB, if you say no thanks, just browsing, we'll leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Um. Yeah, so I guess, okay, so another question that we got, uh, this is from Robert on Twitter. He actually asked this a long time ago, and I didn't have an answer, so I didn't include it in the show notes um, okay. for the last Q&A that we had. But he asked the question, hey, IRCB podcast, why don't you have a Patreon page? This isn't some big, huge announcement <laughs> episode by any means, but this is something that we've been, I've been thinking about and talking about um, among the some of the hand, some of the people on the show should we do this should we not and we kind of had this big hesitation last year around the kickstarter um and we we did the kickstarter and it was massively successful so successful that i still am like baffled at how well it did and i'm i'm so appreciative to the people that donated and it just goes to show that we have some of the best fucking comic book fans out there um that are that want to participate in this show and i'm so happy we were able to make things happen with people um like the hangouts and everything that we did but the idea in my head that keeps swirling um, along this question is, why don't we have a Patreon page? Is that something we want? Is that something that's going to be successful by any means? Um, and the question, and the, I've been, I've asked people out. Like we put a survey out. We're we're going to put out mm-hmm. another I read comic book survey this year. Um, and I think the answer is, we're probably going to roll one out in the next couple of months. I think that's that's the most solid answer I can give without over promising too much. I've been working on a Patreon page for probably a year, which sounds fucking ridiculous now that I say it out loud. But um, trying to make sure that the tiers are what we want, studying what other podcasts have been doing and how what successful podcasts are doing for their Patreon folks to give the right amount of rewards for the right amount of you know pledged money. Uh, it's something that I super want to do. It's just a matter of actually getting around and 
we want to do a, we want to do another Kickstarter this year for our for the zine that we've got for things that are coming down the pipeline. We I think we're going to do another Kickstarter, and then after the Kickstarter, I think we're going to move over to Patreon for the future future support of the show. That's yeah, that's the long answer. And I mean, Brian and Nick, I know you guys you guys listen to a lot of other podcasts. Do you do you, are you patrons to other podcasts? Do you have any interest in that? What do you what are your guys' opinions on that? Because I'm Always curious what other folks think about this stuff. I'm, I'm the guy in charge, but I also would love everybody's opinion all the time because <laughs> I can only make so many decisions. Yeah, I've uh, I've signed up for a couple different Patreons for different podcasts. Um, I like the idea of giving money to support the show without necessarily having to get something. If that makes sense, like I mean, oh sure, there's usually like like the Patreon backer rewards and things like that. But I like being able to just set you it heard up it here first. So Brian doesn't want any rewards. No, no rewards for the <laughs> for the upcoming Kickstarter. I'm not, everyone, I'm not in it for that baby. I'm in it for the for the <laughs> no art. Prizes. I'm here for the art. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, just the idea that I can just like set it up, and then on the third of every month, five bucks just goes from my account to the Patreon. I don't have to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's a big part. Like with a lot of Kickstarters, I look at them and the, the barrier for entry is usually a little bit higher on a Kickstarter. So right. a lot of times it's like, uh, I don't, I don't have 20 bucks to pitch in right now, but with Patreon, you know, I can, I can plan it in the budget and work around it really easily. Right. So. It's a very long-winded answer of saying yes. I have done Patreon for. Yeah, I mean, podcasts. no, I think, I think that justification totally makes sense. I and it's funny because I feel like when we were, when we put out the I read comic book survey a year or two ago, a lot of people were saying I I don't necessarily have a monthly budget that I can subscribe, but I can give, do a one-time thing. Right. And I thought that was really right. interesting because I, I I wholeheartedly believe the the opposite. But that being said. Given the the small Twitter survey that we did, it's you know with the I think we had like forty or fifty people answer the survey. You know it looks like the the things have reversed. I think Patreon is becoming more and more of a supported platform for that kind of stuff. Um, but Nick, I'll let you I'll let you answer as well. Yeah, I mean I I don't currently do any Patreons for podcasts. Uh, I think part of that is just um, a lot of the shows I listen to already have like. Um, a lot of them are slightly bigger shows, so they have like corporate sponsors already. Oh, sure. Um, so they don't have that sort of, uh, financial structure underpinning them. Um, but I would at least agree with you that I think that probably the Patreon model is sort of the new one now, especially because people are so used to subscription services really are just the thing right now anyway for everything yeah so that's just what people are used to and i think in terms of arranging and 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 setting up something like that i think it's so much easier um to have a patreon structure than uh, a kickstarter structure because that of course is like that just seems like monumentally so much more work um Mm -hmm. because you always have to arrange it around something and you have to you know set up tiers and and as brian was lamenting you know figure out rewards and then figure out what's fair at what level and i'm sure no one's going to be surprised by this but if any of you out there haven't tried setting up a kickstarter it's a lot of work oh yeah it's a ton of work yeah um so i i can totally see why people are more receptive to that and and why we're we're looking at that model now as well yeah yeah I mean, setting up a Kickstarter is. I'm, I'm I'm already in the in the throes of the current the current Kickstarter planning, and we aren't probably aren't going to launch it until. I want to say October or so. Don't mm. don't hold a gun to my head about that. I think uh, it kind of depends on a handful of factors. I need to do some more tallying of costs and things like that. But nonetheless, like it's a it's a lot of planning. I I love Patreon. I love being able to support creators. Like I support a handful of. I support like the Glass Cannon podcast is one of my favorite podcasts. Um, Pathfinder tabletop gaming podcast. It's really really good, um, and 
they're wildly successful with that. And I think that that's like the, a really good model for podcasts as well as YouTube creators for folks that are running into issues with monetization on YouTube in general, if, especially if they're smaller um, and you know, you want to help them out, like using a Patreon to say, here's a dollar a month from me. Um, that makes me feel really good that I'm able to contribute and help, even if I'm not getting any reward. Like I think to Brian's point, my thought is you're creating content that I realize takes a lot of time and I want to somehow support you in that. Even if even a $1 support of a podcast or YouTube or just an artist is super helpful, especially when you've got, you know, if you have 100 or 200 people, 200 bucks a month can go a long way, especially if you're creating something that you're giving out for free. Um, I think something like JL8, uh, that Yale Stewart webcomic, um, or Natasha Alderisi, who does Heathen, you know, she also puts out a bunch of work for free on her web, on her Patreon. If you're a subscriber, she just gives you a bunch of stuff. Like she did a whole dinosaur comic that you got for being like a one or two dollar subscriber. Um, and you could have gotten that for one month. You could have gotten that for two years worth of contribution. Um, and but she's giving that out for free and then she gave it out to just everybody for free. But like if you were a subscriber, it's like you know that your dollar went to creating that in a weird like roundabout way of doing things i think that's super great i i love the idea of patreon i i can't stress that enough um because i just want to help people create their cool shit because <laughs> i'm not creating you know art or whatever like we're creating this podcast and i realize that takes time and effort but i also want to be able to support folks that are creating other things that i maybe can't create or don't have the ability to create or time to create um and i really enjoy and want to consume i guess so yeah, long-winded, long-winded answer. We're we're trying, Robert. <laughs> I'm working on it. I promise. Um, so let's see. Last last question here. Um, we've got a couple to pick from. Uh, does Xander actually have any magical powers? That's the question <laughs> that we'll end this on. Um, Brian and Nick, we've we've all we've all known Xander for quite a while. Not just from this podcast, but before. Um, in your time of knowing Xander. What magical powers have you witnessed from him? Because I know he has a huge array of them. Um, probably his ability to simultaneously laugh at what you've said and also silently despise whatever ideas you've presented in front of him. <laughs> God, Nick. I think it would be that. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's specific to you, though, Nick. That might yeah. just be specific to you. <laughs> Xander's Z- Z- got a good game face. Like, uh, I'll say that. Oh, but you make you paint Xander to be so mean spirited. He absolutely is not. No, Xander no, is no. the most wholesome no, 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 person. No, 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 not mean spirited. He 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 won't he won't tell you, you know, right then and there that he thinks whatever you're sharing with him is um uh something he's not really a a fan of. Um Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Uh he's uh he's a magician in the kitchen. I'll tell you that much. Oh, uh, this is true. We uh, went over and hung out at his place a couple weekends ago. He made uh, pasta sauce, uh, made the sauce himself. Did all the. Uh, he spent like like five hours in the kitchen, like not uh, not slaving over a hot stove necessarily, but he put in all the work to make homemade pasta sauce for us. That's so cool. Yeah, that's but like, I, I mean. No, I know Xander likes to cook. I, I've always, I always thought that's really cool. Like the dude loves being in the kitchen. I think when he's not slaving over editing this show, he's in the kitchen. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, I remember back food. in high school, like he'd be like, "I can't hang out this weekend," and I'm like, "Okay, why? Explain yourself." And um, he'd be like, "Chinese New Year, gonna be cooking," and I'd be like, "Cooking all day," and he'd be like, "Yep, all day." I'm like, "Okay, guess I'll just play Mario Tennis by myself." Like See, but normal. it's paid off uh, because Xander makes really good food in general. Doesn't matter what yeah. it is, the yeah. guy makes good food. I mean, the magical powers I've seen Xander, I've witnessed at least, or I've heard legend of, is you know Xander can fly. Um, yeah. He he yeah. absolutely can. He he has the ability to magically go from place to place. Um, whether that's maybe it's flying, maybe it's teleportation. I don't know. He just he can he can charge a cell phone from twenty to a hundred percent in under two minutes. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Using his mind, Mm -hmm. Um, I know that his one super weakness is. uh, I mean, I hate to say it on the show, but I got it because if we're if we're gonna talk about the greatness of Xander, we must talk about his weakness. I know that it's sugary food. Doesn't matter what it is. Xander's a sucker for a good cake or pie. I don't know which one he prefers the most, but I know. That one time I got him a cake and it almost killed him. 
I'll just say that <laughs> it's not. This isn't like some weird roundabout diabetes thing. One time we bought Xander a birthday cake, and he almost died. <laughs> I don't know if it was from his weakness to sugary foods or the fact that he was embarrassed, but we got him a birthday cake, and he almost died. Yeah, it's, it's become a running a running joke that nobody knows when Xander's birthday is, and um, yet we figure we it out know. every year. Like at this yeah, point, like, yeah. it's on my calendar. I know when his birthday is, but we still every year we. We host a, a LAN party that just so happens to coincide with Xander's birthday, but it's certainly not a yeah. birthday party in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yep. Uh, right, there's a cake, course. but it's, again, an unrelated cake, one that has nothing to do mm-hmm. with Xander. Purely right. coincidental, yeah. 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 So. <laughs> That's always a good time. Okay. Yeah, it's always great. I mean, we. I only wanted to bring this question up because I... I know that we we say it every year. We talk about it all the time. But Xander is the best, and he does such such great work for this show. And he really does have superpowers. He makes us sound fantastic, and we love him for it. So that's the last question we'll round this show off with. So Nick and Brian, thank you for being on the show. Um, this is these Q and A episodes are always so much fun. Um, but yeah, let's let's we'll roll through the credits now. Um, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Nick uh, at Death Star Plans, spelled a weird, fun way. So check out the show notes. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brianhead. It turns out he's not a ski resort. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. We post all sorts of things. I try to retweet artists and causes and cool things that you should follow. Um, and we post polls every week on Sundays. This week's poll was: What kind of formal wear do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wear? just an open question with some with some answers yeah uh beyond that go ahead check out our goodreads group uh we have weekly threads and great discussions about comics every day that i'm on there i'm finding someone bringing up a new book that i've never heard about or someone loving something that i really wasn't sure about and Mm -hmm. so you just get you know opinions out there and you can just look into things further beyond that check out our website ircbpodcast.com where we host our episodes uh and we also have merch and a pronunciation guide there so we're we're growing every day please go ahead and rate and subscribe to our show on whatever platform you prefer uh i know we're on spotify now that's exciting oh yeah yeah um if you have any other questions comments concerns if you just want to tell us how much you love us Go ahead and email the show, ircb at destroythesive.org. Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They are the best band in the universe, as I say every week, because it's true and it's confirmed. But if you listen to their music, it's fantastic. Xander, he's an 8th level wizard, 4th level rogue, 12th level character. He's not going to take any of your kingdom's bullshit because he wants to get paid yesterday. He also edits the show and he's an amazing person. Thank you all. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Nick, for being on the show. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to everyone that sent in questions. I hope we answered them to an acceptable level. Um, So until next time, find that friend who's a little down, give them a high five, and remind them that they're a good friend. Thanks for listening.